So now we're moving on to the concept of legal subjectivity and what this concept means around legal subjectivity. And essentially, all that legal subjectivity means is that the legal subjects, that is natural persons and juristic persons, right, are regarded as legal subjects. They possess legal subjectivity under the law and they are not regarded as legal objects, right? So... The question then uh, arises as to if human beings are recognized as legal subjects in our law and carry certain rights and duties and capacities and, and they have legal subjectivity, they are not legal objects, then at what point in time, the controversial issue would be, does a human being acquire legal subjectivity? And as things stand under our law at the moment, uh, a human being acquires uh, legal subjectivity at the point that that child is brought into this world. So at, at the point of birth, the, the, the child uh, will acquire legal subjectivity. But despite this, our law has recognized in certain instances that there is a need to protect the potential rights and interests of an unborn child should that child eventually be born. So, for instance, in the law of succession, uh, you're going to encounter a concept called nascituris fiction. And I remember in law school, it was the first legal concept that we encountered. And it was Latin and it was fancy. And we were all throwing around this nascituris fiction concept that we had learned, right? And all that this concept entails is that if the unborn child is, let's say, going to inherit under the law of succession, uh, and the the child is in the womb, and the child therefore doesn't have legal subjectivity and therefore can't uh, legally inherit inherent. But this law creates the fiction that this child possesses rights, even though they're not yet born into this world, and that that fiction vests essentially until the child is born alive, and then the rights will vest in that child. Of course, if that child is not born alive, then ultimately the fiction that that child is, possesses legal subjectivity, falls away uh, because there was never any live birth and therefore there is no uh, legally recognizable legal subject in that instance, right? And we see this concept around Nascituris fiction, right? Is a concept that is now potentially, sorry, it has been uh, extended. If we look at the decision called Pension v. Santam Insurance, you'll see that in this decision, uh, the concept of Nascituris fiction was actually extended, interestingly enough, to the law of delict, where the law recognized that you have this, this unborn child and these certain uh, prenatal injuries that have occurred uh, to this child and the if this child is subsequently born alive, then technically speaking, how does the child then claim damages for something that happened to the child before they were even a legal subject? And so in order to vest those rights in the child, should the child then be born alive, the child can then sue for damages on the basis of prenatal injuries that they had sustained because the law creates the fiction that the child has legal subjectivity before being born, provided that the child is subsequently born, right? And if you think about it, the the um, the ability that we have as legal subjects to to carry 
rights, right, to be responsible for certain things, carry certain duties, right, enjoy certain rights, the capacity that we possess is referred to as legal capacity. And this is a concept that we're going to be exploring in a, in a little bit, right? But it's important for us to recognize that for our purposes of our law, animals are not regarded as legal subjects. So even though we have certain laws in place, you can't, uh, for instance, torture animals. Animal cruelty is not a, is prohibited under our law. There's certain statutes in place. Animals do not actually possess legal subjectivity. And there's a, an extensive debate, um, even at, at a worldwide level, as to whether or not rights should vest in, in animals. And in fact, I was um, having this discussion uh, with my sister while I'm preparing your your lesson and going over these concepts of animals and legal subjectivity. And I'm like, of course, animals should have rights. But while I'm saying this, I am hungry and I have my wimpy burger, beef burger sitting next to me on the table. And I'm like, well, if the cow has rights, then I won't be able to enjoy my, my beef burger, would I? And so it raises all these types of questions and does that make me a bad person? Let me go and research this a little bit more. Should animals have legal subjectivity? Something that I'm now very curious about. And so that's a matter that we are going to explore a bit further in class. So you will see um, in your in, in your core notes that you've been provided with a particular article. And I've also uploaded that article onto Ecamva for you. And what I'm going to expect of you is that you go through that con um through that article quite uh thoroughly right I've, i'm going to load it for you and you're going to go through the article quite thoroughly um taking into account potential pro and nay arguments around whether or not animals are should be entitled to to legal subjectivity should have rights uh, and be legal creatures under our law and when we do our revision lecture, we will reserve a part of the lecture to have a debate around the issue. So I am going to to assign um, certain groups, uh, a certain um, angle upon which to examine the question. So be it pro-animal rights or anti-animal rights. And you're then going to be expected to come into class and to, to debate this issue come next week, Thursday.